Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's Natalia and welcome back to Unfiltered Fashion Talks. Today I have Sabrina from Wasil Clothing with us and I'm so excited to talk to you today. Um, Do you want to give us like a little intro of yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for having me. First off, big fan of your YouTube channel, podcast, all the above. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm Sabrina, as Natalia said. Um, I run a clothing brand called Wasio Clothing, which congrats for knowing how to pronounce it. That's cool. Of course, I watch your TikToks. I get it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so uh, my clothing brand is primarily women's wear, but I want to get into like unisex, more like masculine less hyper feminine stuff um but for now it's just like femware if you will um and uh I prioritize sizing that's like my number one priority when creating clothing is like making sure every design I have comes out with like as perfect as a pattern I can get you know perfection doesn't exist so I try to (laughs) yeah I try to let people know like you know my goal is for everything to fit well so if you have an issue like tell me so I can fix it and like kind of just like operate from a lens of like I'm going to try my best and I'm always like learning and growing and like trying to do better. So with that kind of lens, I'm able to uh, serve a wide range of body types. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that your brand definitely shows that a lot. And I really appreciate that because I don't feel like that's seen enough in like the slow fashion space just yet. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's starting to be more of a thing in just fashion in general, but I think the slow fashion space is still a little bit more behind on that aspect of things. So it's really nice to like see somebody start that. But also I want to start with like your background in sewing because you're self-taught if I'm not mistaken, right? That's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Tell us like how you started on that or like what route you took. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I'm like self-taught with like little bits of like formal education. Mm -hmm. So, um, I started sewing back in high school. So pretty much like the Tumblr era of like doing (laughs) a bunch of like, yeah, like DIY, (laughs) like thrift flipping, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, like fast fashion was a huge thing at that time as well, you know? So, um, I just started like just using my mom's old sewing machine just to like fix things. I made like tie dye shirts at one point and sold those on Etsy, you know, like mm-hmm. little like small business stuff. Um, and then as I got older, it just kind of became like a hobby that I always fell back on and tried pattern making a few times, catastrophic failures. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of stayed away from that for a really long time and just stuck to alterations. And then mm-hmm. um, I actually, fun fact, went to Academy of Art for like half a semester. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I went for fashion merchandising originally because, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if you ever told this, but like fashion design doesn't make money and like, you know, merchandising is the safer route. So that's what I did. And it was okay, but I was really drawn to like the fashion design kind of aspect of things. And like the friends I made there were fashion design. And I was like, that seems so cool. Um, But ultimately that school just isn't the greatest. So I just decided to uh, move back home and go to community college for a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I kind of wanted to start my brand at that point, but I just was really young. And well, by the way, props to you for being able to be so (laughs) serious about your business at such a young age. Like, thank you. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Like you're really killing it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so uh, I tried to start my business when I was around 18, 19, Mm kind of got a little sidetracked with just trying to like maintain a part-time job and like move out and you know I was more focused on trying to like 
move out and like move on yeah. with my life. So I moved out, you know, worked random odd jobs for like from ages like 19 to like about 23. And then I was working at like a reselling store where like, you mm-hmm. know, you bring in the clothes consignment, I guess is what you call yes. it. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I felt like I had like a really good eye for like what was going to be popular. And like, I felt mm-hmm. like I just had like a strong kind of like instinct for it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I still at this point was still sewing on and off, but that was when I was like, you know what, I'm starting my brand. So I just started with a uh, thrift flipping uh, vintage clothing, you know, and just mm-hmm. like altering it, kind of like spicing it up a little. And then um, around December, 20, December, 2018. Yeah. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to like make an actual collection and just like go for it. And so right. I did. And um, ever since then, it's just kind of been like a steady upward journey. And um, right. yeah. So more about like specifically sewing to answer your mm-hmm. question. Um, <laughs> I think it just was really just a lot of um, trial and error, you know, just like as time went on, um, I worked with seamstresses here and there, you know, like I would get help from people that had a degree and, right. uh, you know, uh, I did a few community college classes here and there. So um, a lot of that. And also just YouTube university is like yep. <laughs> how I learned like most things, like don't know how to install a zipper. Okay. YouTube has it, you know? And, right just like kind of, I think being curious about the process and like watching other people's process, um, really helped a lot. Um, and then I started school actually this semester. So now I'm actually going for my fashion certification just Love to that. like fill in the holes. And yeah. Whatnot. Yeah. So just like so much trial and error and just like right. working with fit models has really just like improved my skill, like mm-hmm. without having those actual bodies in front of you to like, see how the clothing moves. Like it's really hard. So, it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really applaud you for doing what you do. Cause I also live like, I live in Sacramento now. So it's like mm-hmm. kind of not really a fashion hub at all. Right. So, you know, it's hard to like find people that can actually help you with that process. So. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like my number one issue is like, I don't have fit models, which is really frustrating. Cause it's like, I want to be in the more like I'm like obviously in the size inclusive like space because I like offer those sizes and custom sizing and all that but I'm like I'm not able to like show it ever or really perfect it because I don't have anybody to like perfect it on or like actually see it and it's so frustrating because I'm like I want to be able to show that visually but I can't because I don't have the resources for it and it's such a different like way of viewing pattern making and all the things too Cause yeah. it obviously like, I mean, generally with different body types in general, just like the fit is always different, whether you're more like top heavy, bottom heavy, or like whatever it is in any size. So just like having that visual so important. And yeah. I want that so bad. Seriously. No. Yeah. I think like, it's like, I think so many people try to simplify pattern making for plus sizing is just like, mm-hmm. just do it. And it's like, but the brands who just do it and just grade up from like a medium, like screw mm-hmm. people over, you know? Exactly. So it's like, I think it's good to have like the understanding that it is a different process and like, you yeah. have to learn that process. And, um, yeah, like I, I definitely feel you on that. Like I just honestly just spent so much time at the beginning of my brand, just like casting calls, casting calls, casting calls. And I right. luckily was able to find people locally who had no experience, but it's like, honestly like just put on the clothes and I'm just gonna look at you right be comfortable (laughs) with me just like poking and prodding and like we're good yeah Um, but yeah it's it's like so much investment and I think like people Mm -hmm. try to undersell that just to like 
right. make more plus size clothing, but it's not really doing a service to the fat community. If you're just putting out clothing that doesn't fit well, you know? Exactly. Um, so yeah, like I definitely feel you on that. And like, I've taken many trips to LA just for the purpose <laughs> of, you know, fit it, fit modeling and yeah. stuff like that. So. No, I applaud you for that because that's definitely an investment <laughs> and yeah. not one that I've like made just yet. It's mm-hmm. like one of the next yeah. ones I'd like to make, but it is yeah. such an investment of time and money to, mm-hmm. to find people and do all those extra fittings and all the extra things. Applaud yeah. you for that because I think that very few people are doing that and let alone like smaller businesses. It's so much harder to want to cater to that because it does take all that extra time and effort and money and all the things, but it's very needed. So, so yeah. cool that you do that. Love Thanks. that. Thank you. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, with clothing also, like so many people just like, even in the slow fashion community, I feel like there's so much like new product, new product. And even if it's a finite mm-hmm. amount, like that takes time to pattern and grade. So yes. like, I think a lot of people like really want me to put out more and I want to put out more, but yeah. it's like, <laughs> I either put out a lot of designs and like be a designer or I prioritize the fit. And like, I'm always going to be prioritizing the fit. Cause that's like who I'm trying to cater to, you know, exactly. but like it's, it's, you can't do both unless you have like a no. huge massive team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like I'm always conflicted on that too. Cause it's like, sometimes I'm like, I really want to grow my brand. Like I want to be able to, you know, make more money so I can reinvest it in all the things. But then I'm like, to do that, I need to sell more and make more. And I'm like, but I don't want to be yeah. like constantly making these new things because yeah. obviously I want to perfect it make sure it's good and also like with sustainability like I shouldn't be putting out new items like so exactly. often so then it's like this contradiction of like I want to have a brand and do good things but I don't want to like overshoot it but somehow I want to grow it but it all contradicts in some way yeah. and I feel like I'm still trying to find the balance of it all because it it's such a weird space to be in to, like want to prioritize this like quality and like all those things, but also it's still a business and you do have to make money so you can actually, you know, live and like (laughs) (laughs) pay your rent and pay your groceries and like all your bills and things. And then obviously hopefully have some extra to actually have fun and do things. But yeah, it's such a, such a contradiction within the business world to want to do things for like a greater good and not just the money aspect of it. Yeah. But I'm glad to see there's other people that are also prioritizing that because sometimes I feel crazy when I'm like prioritizing things that I know aren't necessarily going to make me more money in that aspect, but you know what? I'm like, eventually I'm sure it'll make money somehow. <laughs> it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I'm like, well, like living on a prayer right now. Yes. <laughs> like, no, literally. It all works out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's a month by month just being like, well, hopefully I will have enough this month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But- yeah, you it's know. so exhausting because from the outside, people assume that like you're just like rolling in it. And it's like, mm-hmm. I guess that's a compliment that you think I'm doing so well, but right. I'm actually like month to month really bad, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. same, especially having such like pricey pieces, which mm-hmm. like I know like yours are obviously at a fair price. I don't think they're pricey, but I know to the outside perspective, it seems pricey. They're probably mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, you're making so much money off of these. But then if you factor in like cost of material, cost of all the fittings, cost of like, actually making it all the things like you're really not left with that much you know yeah no not at all especially when I get help like I always try and pay Mm -hmm. whoever's like helping me so like I have a seamstress named Johanny and she's fantastic Mm -hmm. she actually watches your channel so thank you (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's like you also want to prioritize like those ethics so it's like okay well everyone wants ethical clothing but they want it at like an H&M price point and it's just like it's gonna be it's gonna take a long time to bridge that gap and I think um 
I think like one of the best ways that we both have been like doing that is just like showing people as much as possible. Exactly. Like, and yeah, like I think a lot of people like assume that I'm just like taking massive profits, but it's like when I first released my cloud puffers last year, I literally was losing money on them until I like oh, sat I down and calculated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, holy shit, like I need to change something because this isn't <laughs> yes. working, you know? Yeah. 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 No, I totally get that. Especially like that's why I haven't wanted to make any like jackets or like more intricate pieces because I know I'm going to probably lose money on it. Like the cloud puffer iconic <laughs> like you. it's so cool I got like I got questions about people you know what I put a Q&A up on my podcast thing Ooh. and I'm just now remembering that people actually sent me questions to ask you and really? one of them I'm pretty sure had to do with the cloud puffer okay so yeah I just like remembered that and I should look at that because that's why I asked people to send me things oh I guess they just asked how do you come up with ideas like the cloud puffer Mm, I guess inspo give us your inspo (laughs) yeah um well ironically I try not to like take in too much media like Mm -hmm. specific around fashion um right like I am not a runway girly like I do not keep (laughs) up with any of that stuff um like sometimes think like I follow designers but like I try to prioritize following like very very small like niche like um avant-garde designers you know like designers who create art not like pieces um, which is something that I need to work on making more wearability because right. I feel you on the intricacy thing. It's like, you want to be a designer. Like that's right. what the day we want to do. But like, if we make really intricate pieces, that means higher price points, exactly. plus the grading. And yeah, it, I, I definitely feel you on that. And I feel like you've done a really good job of juggling like the wearability <laughs> with the uniqueness. Yeah. Um, yeah. For inspiration, um, a lot of it just comes to me like literally when I'm laying in bed, I'll be like thinking about yes. like, how can I install this zipper? And like, I'll just be like laying in bed and then I'll be like, oh my God, I get it. And my boyfriend's like, what? And I'm like, here, write this down, write this down. You know, like, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. So the cloud puffer specifically came to me just, I was thinking about how, you know, clouds are puffy and it was like super trendy at the time with like clouds and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like the beginning of 20, 2020. Um, and I just, and, or sorry, it was the beginning of this year, actually. My, my years are all messed up. No, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I just was thinking about like, how cool would it be? Like, I've never made a puffer. And I was just like, well, if you have to like set the puff somehow, like what right. if I just did it in like a random shape? And then like, I was like, oh, cloud puff. Like, and so I think it's just kind of like, I try to think about like, what's like something that's conventional that I can like put a weird spin on and like mm-hmm. nothing's new in fashion but like right. I try my best to like prioritize like creativity in the actual construction yeah um, and that's kind of where I've gotten like most of my like namesake pieces if you will gotcha well I love that I feel like I'm also the type to just be laying in bed and then it comes to me and then like <laughs> in my notes app on my phone I have these awful sketches that I try to do like <laughs> that I'm like trying to put oh down God. it looks like a five-year-old like got into my phone and tried to design something because I'm like <laughs> I can't draw for the life of me on my phone but I feel like that happens to all of us like whenever I get asked like where do you get your inspiration I'm like I couldn't tell you it just comes to me the most right. random times ever and I don't know why I'm not even thinking about it just pops up and it's there like (laughs) literally yeah I know like this year is the first year I'm gonna try and make like a formal like super to a t like mood board sketch line sheet like yeah never done that in my whole life but I'm like okay (laughs) I need to be more organized with this process otherwise I'm just gonna be like putting out random designs at all times and yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no I'm the same way like obviously I did all that stuff like in school 
But then once I got out of school, I'm like, yeah, I can just make whatever. But I'm like, and then people are like, you should make videos on your design process from like start to finish. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to show you because I don't have a design process. Like you should show us sketches and mood boards and inspirations. I'm like, I I never have that. I just start, which like I should probably streamline that a little bit more too because it does get a little chaotic sometimes if you're just like randomly putting out random pieces or whatever. But you know, it's fine. It's a creative process. So yeah, it works. Yeah, I feel like if it works, it works. Like exactly. why something that works, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. I got a few other questions. So I guess speaking on inspirations and stuff, um, somebody asked what are some like inspirational brands you like, or like brands that inspire you, or I guess more like designers mm-hmm. or yeah. things that inspire you in that sense. That's a good question. Um, well, I feel like a lot of the people that inspire me are like mm-hmm. my peers, colleagues, yeah. you know, like within the space, like my friend Liesl, shout out to her. Um, she's an industry professional in New York, but she also has a clothing brand called Ungrateful. Um, and she's just like, like superstar, like pattern maker for plus size clothing. Um, mm-hmm. She's actually for hire if people ever need her. <laughs> but, good to um, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, she's like, very, very focused on like making sure she's making clothing that like is made for by and for fat people. And Mm -hmm. so that's like a huge inspiration for me because I always feel like my patterns can always be a little bit better. You know, it's like, yeah, every time you see the outfit on, you're like, oh, I should have just that dart or like, you know? (laughs) Um, so yeah, shout out to Lisa ungrateful. Um, I also really like, uh, I don't know if it's what Ray or Ray, uh, NYC, Mm -hmm. um, W R A Y. They are like really cool. I feel like every time I see their clothing, it always fits really well on the variety of models that they work mm-hmm. with. Um, yeah, also Emma Shop Berries. She does uh, vintage curation for plus size clothing specifically. So Ooh. yeah, not a designer, but um, actually she might be starting to design stuff, but I really just <laughs> like like kind of the brand ethos and everything like that. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like those are like a majority of the people that I really like aspire and look up to um Mm -hmm. another person who isn't quite a designer but is more like just a figure in the fashion scene is a that adult or ryan finn um Mm -hmm. they make some really cool just like pieces just in their loft studio and just like i don't know also their ethos is very inspiring so yeah i think i'm more inspired by like people's like ethics more than like the actual (laughs) designing because if I'm inspired by the designs, it's very hard to not like make similar stuff. You yeah, know? I uh, feel like I'm the same way. So I totally yeah. get that. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Um, oh, and Olivia Rose. I just love her stuff. Oh, she's Beautiful one of my fit. favorites too. I'm <laughs> right? obsessed with her. Oh my yeah, gosh. Like, her life just looks so nice. I'm it just like, looks so dreamy. Yes. Like exactly. everything, like your little studio so dreamy. Yep. I don't know how she doesn't go insane sewing everything by herself still. Right? Cause I yeah. go insane already. <laughs> and like, she's been doing this for years. I'm like, how do you make it look so like peaceful and like, haha, I'm just like sharing these things all day. Like right. what? Like, yeah. I don't get it, I but I love it. Yeah. I think she's just like the antithesis of ADHD. Like she just like yeah. is so focused. And so, yeah, I don't know how she does it. Cause she's also said like, oh yeah, I don't want to actually like hire anyone to help me. Like right. I enjoy doing it. And I'm like, um, I admire that, but that will never be me. <laughs> Same. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm so over it. I need people right. to help me. Like I'm burnt yeah. out. Like can't do it. Totally. So yeah. yeah. Love her. I always say she's one of my favorites too. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I have like two other, two other questions that I got sent in. So one of them being, how do you incorporate 
fabric pricing into like inclusive um clothing or I guess wait that was worded weirdly how do you incorporate <laughs> fabric pricing into your prices for inclusivity mm. I, I so think I, I yeah yeah. yeah so like pricing with sure. fabric and with like inclusive siding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel like this is a topic that people get really caught up on. And like, mm-hmm. I'll just say like, it's really just about like the labor of putting things together. Like at the end of the day, like my pricing of clothing is primarily like how long it takes me to put together. Like, yeah, yeah the fabric might be like an extra five to $10 for like extra yardage, but right. like, it's really the labor of putting it together. And the labor is like, maybe like minutes different from like an extra small versus like a 5X. Oh yeah, for Um, sure. Yeah, so I just always base things off of kind of like the mid range. So like Mm -hmm. kind of like 2XL and I'll price with that. Um, So it's kind of like, I don't want to call it like taxing the straight sizing, but it's kind of like the straight sizing, like the little bit of profit I make from that excess, like smaller amount of materials Mm -hmm. kind of like offsets the the loss that I get from above a 2XL. So that's kind of how I look at it and like yeah it's like the labor is the same for any size garment so Mm -hmm. it's like the fabric's so negligible that it's not even really a concern for me to be honest (laughs) yeah no I'm glad you said that because I do it the same way like I have like 2xl as like my middle point too and then it just kind of like you know works itself out but I get asked that a lot just about pricing I'm like yeah technically it would be more expensive just because of that extra yardage Mm -hmm. um and like, depending on what fabric you're using, like if I'm using like a, I guess like a shorter width fabric, then mm-hmm. sometimes it does like turn out to be a little bit more because you do have to like move around pieces or whatever, but I'd say it's generally pretty rare, yeah. but I feel like that's something that I get asked about so often all the time. I'm like, yeah, I guess technically I might lose a little bit with some pieces, but it's not like a huge amount per se or anything that I'm not right. willing to do either. It's not crazy, Yeah, but yeah. And I think that also ties into fast fashion again, because it's like fast fashion, those like 50 cents on a piece of fabric really matters to them. So like someone like us, like we have more wiggle room because like it's our labor that's like costly and like that's Mm -hmm. not going to change, you know? So yeah, I agree. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Last question I got on here, which we'll keep talking, but I just, you know, this is the last like question I got sent in that I want to make sure I get to because I was like, yeah, I need to involve people into the podcast. And then I forget that I ask people (laughs) questions, but um okay somebody asked about like how you set up your fashion studio and like what are your I guess like favorite equipment pieces or things that you like can't live without in your studio I love that question I know I Um, thought it was kind of fun yeah yeah definitely you should answer it after me (laughs) yeah no I think Um, think about it (laughs) yeah um yeah so I used to have a like external studio but I now have a home studio and um actually at my parents house so I'm kind of like pulling on Italia here (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so uh I think the the thing that I've like been cherishing recently is I just got a industrial straight stitch Mm, I saw that yeah uh, honestly like best best decision I've ever made like best decision I've ever made. <laughs> um yeah so I'd say that and also probably just like the space itself and like how I make it feel so like I'm like in the process of trying to paint like a cloud mural behind me and just like put in nice curtains you know and just overall making the space like inspiring as cliche as that may be right um, yeah but definitely I think the juki is like 
my number one right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so jealous. <laughs> and like, I'm like, that payment plan is really worth it, dude. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, that would be really nice. I've definitely thought about it, but I've yet to make that investment. But you know, yeah. that's okay. Um, I feel like I would probably have a similar answer in like the sense of like making my space kind of like something fun to be in. Yeah. Like mine's not super decorated, but I like the simplicity of like white walls and just like a very organized um what's it called pegboard mm-hmm. like it's just very satisfying to me that everything's color-coded and I'm like oh right. this feels nice and like I have like good natural lighting that comes in and like I have my sewing machine like right at my window so like natural light comes in and I can like watch the neighbors like walk their dogs yeah. <laughs> which is fun so I feel like yeah I feel like the vibe is the most important mm-hmm. part of it for sure because I feel like equipment like I don't know like you can have really good equipment and you can have not so great equipment and like still be a great like I don't know seamstress or whatever like I feel like I get asked about like sewing machines a lot I'm like you don't really need anything super expensive at all they all work the same some of them just have more features than others or like will be a little faster or whatever but I don't know I feel like the vibe of the space is definitely like the most important part if you're going to be spending a lot of time in there anyway (laughs) yeah definitely yeah yeah I feel like people focus a lot on the equipment it's like as long as your sewing machine like literally works like mm-hmm. the world is your oyster you know like exactly. you need a zigzag and a straight stitch and you're good <laughs> literally yeah I'm like it, yeah. you could get the most basic simple like child sewing machine and you yeah. can probably still make something great with that like it's not not a crazy thing um so you know yeah love that totally um, agree. <laughs> yeah um but this is a personal question that well not like a personal question but a question that I'm personally thinking of (laughs) Um, (laughs) but what was it like having like an external studio to go to because that's something I really want so bad but I'm like curious like you've had like a home one and then like an external like what are your thoughts on both yeah um there's definitely pros and cons to both Um, right that studio was kind of like a dream in a sense like I say I always say like externally like aesthetically it was a dream but Mm -hmm. like functionally it really wasn't um yeah so I really liked like okay so start with the pros like the pros of having an external studio is obviously the separation of work from home Um, right prior to that when I was living with my boyfriend in our own little apartment um Mm -hmm. my living room was my studio so I didn't have like any space to myself right so getting rid of that and having an actual living room and then having a studio go to was very refreshing and like great for that separation of work-life balance. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think one of the things that is really underrated about a home studio is just like, sometimes you just want to sew for 30 minutes and just like get something done. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do that when I had an external studio. Like sometimes I would just be there and I'd be like, man, today is like not the vibe. Like I'm just going to go home and like, you know, kind of like reset and start again tomorrow. But then like, maybe I go home and like relax for an hour. And then I'm like, man, I could really sew like for just a little bit, you know? So Mm -hmm. like, I feel like in the terms of productivity, it was kind of hard for me to like get the most out of it. Um, It was also, so I guess like the pros would be like the work-life separation, but then, and then also it was nice to have a place to like bring models to that wasn't my living room. Right, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but um, now that I'm in a home studio, I feel like because I don't have that overhead of like extra rent, I can just go and rent a studio once a month. And that has forced me to be more um, like concise with like my spending because Mm -hmm. since I had the studio, I would like have a fit model come like maybe twice or three times a month for something that if I had just like planned ahead and been strategic, could have all done Mm -hmm. it in one day and like just had the flat, you know? 
Um, So those are like the pros of both. Um, The con of the external studio was that I had a really, really terrible landlord and Mm -hmm. um, it was a very, very old building that wasn't maintained. So the power would blow out a lot and yeah. And then she'd blame (laughs) me for it. So it was just like, yeah. And Mm -hmm. then there'd be like leaks in the winter. So I'd have to like have all of my like stuff covered and like fabrics and like leaky roof, just like not (laughs) a good thing. Don't work. Um, yeah, it was super cold too, kind of creepy. It was just like, <laughs> like, it was, you know, like just like, it was just like in a very industrial area. So like at night, I didn't really feel comfortable being there, you know? So like yeah. I was kind of limited by like daylight and um, kind of more of a night owl anyways. So, you know, it's like, if you have a really good home or if you have a really good external studio that like you can actually like realistically like work into your price point and everything like right. that, I think it's very beneficial. But for me, it was very affordable and, um, you know, that came with a lot of cons. So, um, I think when you're ready to have an external studio, it's fantastic, but like, I kind of rushed into it and just really wanted that separation and that had consequences to it basically. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I like really want an external studio so bad, but like, I don't necessarily want one like in Indiana. Like I want one, like whenever I leave, (laughs) like wherever I go next is where I would want to have one, but that separation would be so nice. I feel like yeah. I'm just like constantly going crazy, especially like once winter starts to hit and like it gets darker sooner. And like, I don't know, I just feel so like down in the winter, like my seasonal depression just hits and I'm like, yeah. oh, would be nice to like have an excuse to leave the house. Cause otherwise I'm just like constantly like just going like upstairs to sew, downstairs to eat, upstairs yeah. to sew, downstairs to eat. Like that's just it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's nice because like, yeah, sometimes I like don't, want to be sewing like in the morning or whatever but then I get like a random burst of energy and like let's get all this done like in the middle of the day or like you know vice versa or whatever so I don't know pros and cons but obviously at some point I'm gonna have to not be you know doing everything out of my house but you know it's cool to see somebody else with like a smaller brand do that too because I'm like oh wait that is attainable then because I feel like for whatever reason in my head I'm like only big brands can have outside studios mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's nice to see somebody with a smaller brand like have them be like attainable I'm like okay well that doesn't seem too far away for me then if like Definitely. you can do it you know yeah yeah I feel like that's some, like how you said like I'm just waiting for like when I move to the right place and that's mm-hmm. exactly how I feel right now like I'm very grateful for the experience but right. I really wish I would have just saved that $500 a month for the last two years and mm-hmm. then got like my dream studio in San Francisco, which is like where I want right. to end up, you know, right. or LA, you know, like, I think it's nice to have an external studio, but if it's mm-hmm. not in a place that you want to be, I think it's like better just wait, save your money and like yeah. get that dream studio. Cause it really wasn't the dream studio, you know, it was out in the suburbs and like, just right. kind of, it was beautiful from the inside, but again, all the cons and everything, it's like, I think I definitely am like ready to save for a year and then really like make sure I get the place that like works for me. So right. completely agree with you though. It's, it's hard. I, I definitely have to leave the house every day. Otherwise it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it gets rough. Yeah. But I definitely would love to move out to LA to have my studio, but then I'm like, oh, that's going to be so expensive to like yeah. pay your own rent and pay a studio rent. Like how the heck am I going to manage Seriously. that? But then it's also like if I move out there, I can't probably do it from an apartment because it's going to be like too small to, you know, do like a full production like I've been doing. So I feel like that's my conflicting state right now. It's like, how the heck would I manage to do that? I mean, I'm going to manage to do it somehow. Yeah. Just haven't figured out the how. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like also like once you do get out there, you'll probably just like explode with opportunities and like, you exactly. know, connections and it might be worth even just dealing with the small space <laughs> for a little bit until you find right, it. Right, right. I don't know. I also know that living in like LA, like any of these like hubs, it's much easier to find like a range of like costs of studios. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that I'm really struggling with with San Francisco. It's like I'm from the Bay Area. So like right. I want to stay there and like I'm, I don't know, mm-hmm. love LA, but like it's close enough to the Bay Area that I can justify going back and forth. Right. Um, right. But San Francisco, it's like just overrun by tech. So it's like unless you have like $2,000 to drop mm-hmm. on like a 2,000 square foot studio, like you're not going to have a studio. So I think LA has much more of that like price point for like, you know, maybe a 300 square foot studio for $800 or something, you know, whatever. Right. Um, But yeah, definitely. I think LA would look really good on you. (laughs) Thank you. I would love that. I feel like I'm just, I'm so tired of Indiana being in the middle of nowhere is not fun (laughs) for my creative side. I mean, like, it's nice because it's where I grew up and it's comfortable or whatever, but like, I don't know, just be nice to to get out and like be around people that like get what I do like this yeah. is why I like really enjoy having this podcast is just like talking to people that like get what I do and like do the same thing and like you could just actually talk about what you do on a day-to-day basis and people will be like yeah I get that whereas yeah. like if I talk to people about that here they're just like okay <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, like, I think I have no clue what I'm talking about I'm like literally. okay that's fine <laughs> yeah yeah, no, I totally get it. Um, I actually wanted to ask you, what mm-hmm. makes you want to go to LA versus New York? Because I've never been to New York as an adult. And that's like, I'm like, well, I like New York, you know, like, I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I've already lived in New York and I liked it. Um, granted, I wasn't in a great like mental space at that point in my life. So I feel like that made my experience not so great. Um, but I do like New York as a city a lot. But I feel like LA would be a better place to manufacture in like I feel like New York's is more of like that like showy fashion side and like the event side but I feel like LA is like a better place to actually like source fabrics and manufacture and like be able to find a space that's big enough to manufacture like I feel like New York is like very limited with space so it'd be harder and more expensive to get a bigger place whereas like in LA you could live like a little bit outside of the city and probably get something a little bit bigger but you're still like close enough to like the garment district and being able to get like fabrics and find people that you know can sew and that work in the industry too Mm -hmm. so yeah and also I would just really like to live in a place that has warm weather year-round because I've never had that (laughs) I've never lived close to a beach like I've never had warm weather Uh, like that would be really fun yeah Um, and also just to like test it out since I've already done New York I'm like I would I don't know. I'm like curious to see what the LA lifestyle would be like and then kind of, you know, compare contrast. And then if I don't like LA, I could just go to New York. I'm like, I don't know. Sure. I could move around if I needed to, but I kind of want to test it out. It's been calling my name lately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely forget. I always forget about the weather because it's like, yep. <laughs> in California and you've like grown up in California. It's like, oh, well, this place seems interesting. And that's like, oh, it gets like 10 feet of snow in the exactly. winter. Like, or like the humidity, like, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. definitely I don't know if it gets humid in Indiana but oh yeah. it gets so humid here it's really? disgusting yeah oh. I literally don't know why actually it's probably because we have like the Great Lakes close to us but like uh, okay disgustingly humid oh, no. like gotcha. <laughs> disgusting like you're outside and you're already sweating <laughs> so wow. gotcha. so I'd much rather take the dry deserty California sure. heat 
over humidity any day. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I feel. The limited humid humidity exposure I've had in like Texas and whatnot, I'm like, oh, I get yeah. it. <laughs> Not just hot. Yeah. Yeah, sure. it's like a whole other level, but you know. And LA seems a little bit cheaper from what I can tell. I feel like it is too. Like, I feel like, oh, I've been trying to do my research on trying to figure it out, but I feel like just because it's such an expansive city, there's just more options for affordability. Mm -hmm. Whereas like New York, like if you want to be in Manhattan, like it's so limited and small that it's like, you don't, I feel like you don't have as much of that difference in price range. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just me making that up in my head and telling myself that. So I'll feel better <laughs> if I move there. But I feel right. like there's more opportunities to find more affordability, even though yeah. obviously it's still very expensive. Right. Com- yeah. And compared to like the Midwest where I've been, like, sure. obviously, but, you know, worth yeah. it, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely like I do you follow shop tunnel vision at all. It sounds familiar, but I don't think so. Okay. So maybe you've seen Madeline Pendleton on TikTok, like, so yes. yeah so she's the owner of shop tunnel vision and she has a brand in la and she always talks about how like the manufacturing the access to models and fabric mm-hmm. is like supreme in la so it sounds like you're mm-hmm. on the right track <laughs> yeah i feel like that's what i've been trying to like figure out i feel like i feel like i have more of a new york vibe like in my personal life mm-hmm. but i feel like for the manufacturing side la would just make so much more sense like it's like the hub of like manufacturing for clothing in the u.s granted not in a very ethical way but it still is the center of it right now so i'm like i think it makes more sense to manufacture a brand there and like i would much rather obviously manufacture a brand where i live than like outsource it elsewhere like if i were to live in new york but do it in la like i don't know i'd rather like see it every day yeah so you know we'll see we'll see yeah do you want like is your ultimate dream to have like everything under one roof or are you looking to like outsource manufacturing and just do designing like under the roof I would like to have it all under like my own control (laughs) (laughs) like I would love to have my own kind of manufacturer set up and kind of do all that because I just like don't trust people (laughs) yes thank you I (laughs) yeah yeah I think it would be hard to find somebody that aligns perfectly and also just in the more like sustainable side of things like not a lot of manufacturers like will do stuff with scraps yeah Mm because that's like a whole other thing that you're asking them to do so I feel like it'd be hard to find anybody who even does that so I might as well just do it myself if I already kind of have like a process for it I guess sure yeah and there's so many talented seamstresses in LA that you could build that team like like that and you wouldn't have to invest in like 20 people you know like yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I actually read this book recently and they're talking about how like the certifications for ethical stuff, like a mm-hmm. lot of like those factories like pay off the people who like certify those I manufacturers. Bet. Yeah, so I'm just like, I just feel like you really truly don't know what's going on. And like, mm-hmm. if you're able to get things that are like just so cheap, like I know how what it takes to make a piece of clothing. So like, if you're only charging me $15 for it and it's labeled ethical, I'm, right. a, I'm still a little skeptical. Maybe I'm yep. just ignorant, but that's how I feel. At least. No, I feel the same way. I'm like super sus about all of these like certifications sometimes. Also, because like, it, like you have to pay money to even get them in the first place. So it's mm-hmm. like anything that involves business, there will all be some like sort of unethical like aspect of it probably. Or like you could right. probably buy people out in it. Yeah, that's just how right. the world works. That's not to say that every brand that has certifications would be like bad, but I think right. that there's probably some that are taking advantage of it and like probably, you know, hiding some things, but definitely. Yeah. yeah. 
I feel like, yeah, we're definitely on the same page. Cause it's also like, how cool would it be to like be designing something and then like run over to your pattern maker and be like, Hey, how do you think this would work? You know? And then like, you know, have like lunch together and like, you know, just like, I love that like community aspect of that concept too. Yeah, no, me too. I would like love to have like a big studio space and have like the pattern makers and the sample people and the seamstresses and the fit models and like a photo shoot space, like right. everything. Yeah. <laughs> all, Literally all everything. Place. Yeah. yeah. It would we'll be so cool. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm like, it would just yeah. be cool to have like an actual like team setting and like everybody gets along perfectly and everything's happy. Right. <laughs> like it's great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then like that's just like so much content too, like that you don't have right. to worry about, you know, like, cause I know we both are like doing our own content constantly. Right. And, like I'm constantly like, oh shit, like I need to be filming this. Like why am Same. I not filming this right now? <laughs> but I'm also like in the flow. So like, I don't want to like. <laughs> yeah, no, I do that all the time where I'll be like doing something. And then I'm like, oh my God, I could have been filming this. This could have been like a story for my Instagram. I could have made a TikTok today about this. Like it's so hard to keep it all in line. But then I'm like, if I were to hire somebody to do my social media, it wouldn't be the same. Like I could, I wouldn't, I feel like it wouldn't do as well because it wouldn't be personable anymore. So I'm like, I still need to do it myself, but somehow manage to remember to actually film (laughs) and do all the things too. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a balance, I guess. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I feel like that was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for hanging out. thank you yeah thank you for having me this was great I was like just talking to a friend like (laughs) exactly that's like always the vibe I want and I feel like I've that's been the vibe with everybody and it just makes me so happy like I think it's just so fun yeah yeah I'm excited to see where it goes like it's a great podcast like I um I was I actually was when I was watching your podcast and you're talking about how you don't know like any other people who are doing like the sewing you know manufacturing right. thing like I am like scouring YouTube for more people like you because it's like right yeah like I just want more people who are doing the same thing so I can like commiserate exactly. with you yeah no yeah. literally same I'm like I want to watch people that do it but I'm like I don't really know that many like I know a lot of sewing channels but they're like yeah. tutorial channels I'm like I just want right. to see somebody so for funsies like just right. in a vlog yeah. form like yeah, not yeah, like yeah. a teaching me form so yeah, yeah. hopefully people will start doing that because that's fun but anyway yeah. shout yourself out where can people find oh. you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um I actually did start doing a YouTube channel earlier this year so yes. um you can find me on I mean YouTube's so weird with like finding people but my yeah. channel name is Sabrina Productions um mm-hmm. and then uh on Instagram Wasil Clothing w-a-s-i-l clothing um same thing with seal clothing.com and then on tiktok with seal clothing so pretty Love that. perfect <laughs> yes easy yeah. to remember go follow super fun great content thank um <laughs> but yeah thank you so much hopefully we can you know do a part two sometime Yes, super fun yes. anytime literally just facetime me and we'll <laughs> <sew> together. <laughs> perfect love that yes. um yeah so that's it for today guys peace out thank you thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube